0: the sentence of life, pronounced with less sophistry when the worst days of his illness were over, had certainly produced a greater outrage. It was, he had thought, uncommonly inconsiderate, if not negligent, of his doctors to reconcile him so thoroughly to death, and then change their minds. It was embarrassing now to recall with what little regret he had let slip his pleasures and preoccupations, the imminence of loss revealing them for what they were, at best, only a solace at worst a trivial squandering of time and energy. Now he had to lay hold of them again and believe that they were important, at least to himself. He doubted whether he would ever again believe them important to other people. No doubt with returning strength, all that would look after itself. The physical life would reassert itself given time. He would reconcile himself to living, since there was no alternative and this perverse fit of resentment and axity conveniently put down to weakness, would come to believe that he had had a lucky escape. His colleagues, relieved of embarrassment, would congratulate him. Now that death had replaced sex as the great unmentionable, it had acquired its own pudency. To die when you had not yet become a nuisance, and before your friends could reasonably raise the ritual chant of happy release was in the worst of taste. But, at present, He wasn't sure that he could reconcile himself to his job. Resigned as he had become to the role of spectator, and soon not even to be that, he felt ill-equipped to return to the noisy playground of the world and, if it had to be, was minded to find himself a less violent corner of it. It wasn't something he had thought about deeply during his periods of consciousness. There hadn't been time. It was more a conviction than a decision. The time had come to change direction. Judges' rules, rigor mortis, interrogation, the contemplation of decomposing flesh and smashed bone, the whole body business of man-hunting. He was finished with it. There were other things to do with his time. He wasn't yet sure which things, but he would find them. He had over two weeks of convalescence ahead, time to formulate a decision, rationalise it, justify it to himself and, more difficult, find the words with which he would attempt to justify it to the Commissioner. It was a bad time to leave the yard, they would see it as desertion, but then it would always be a bad time. He wasn't sure whether this disenchantment with his job was caused solely by his illness, the salutary reminder of inevitable death, or whether it was the symptom of a more fundamental malaise, that latitude in middle life of alternate doldrums and uncertain winds, when one realises that hopes deferred are no longer realisable that ports not visited will now never be seen, that this journey, and others before it, may have been a mistake, that one has no longer even confidence in charts and compass. More than his job now seemed to him trivial and unsatisfactory. Lying sleepless, as so many patients must have done before him in that bleak, impersonal room, watching the headlamps of passing cars sweep across the ceiling— Listening to the secretive and muted noises of the hospital's nocturnal life, he took the dispiriting inventory of his life. His grief for his dead wife, so genuine, so heartbreaking at the time, how conveniently personal tragedy had excused him from further emotional involvement. His love affairs, like the one which at present spasmodically occupied a little of his time and somewhat more of his energy, had been detached, civilized, agreeable undemanding. It was understood that his time was never completely his own, but that his heart most certainly was. The women were liberated. They had interesting jobs, agreeable flats. They were adept at settling for what they could get. Certainly they were liberated from the messy, clogging, disruptive emotions which embroiled other female lives. What, he wondered, had those carefully spaced encounters, both participants groomed for pleasure like a couple of sleek cats, to do with love? with untidy bedrooms, unwashed dishes, babies' nappies, the warm, close, claustrophobic life of marriage and commitment. His bereavement, his job, his poetry, all had been used to justify self-sufficiency. His women had been more amenable to the claims of his poetry than of his dead wife. They had small regard for sentiment, but an exaggerated respect for art. And the worst of it, or perhaps the best, was that he couldn't now change even if he wanted, and that none of it mattered. It was absolutely of no importance. In the last fifteen years, he hadn't deliberately hurt a single human being. It struck him now that nothing more damning could be said about-